Hey everyone, welcome back to Heart Sprained. Hey Nadine. Hello, Mish. What's going on? Uh, nothing. Just very, very, very giddy over here because of a very special guest that I am so excited. We're fangirling. To talk to today. We're so fangirling. <laughs> fangirling so hard, so hard. So please introduce her. Let's get started. I don't even want to waste any okay, time. Okay. So today our guest is Jenna Birch, author of The Love Gap. We are obsessed with this book. We dove in and could not put it down. And we're so excited to have her. This is this is like the author you've been waiting to, to hear from, the book you're dying to read. So welcome, Jenna. Thank you Yay. guys for having me. I'm super thrilled to be here. Yay. Awesome. Okay. So so tell us about yourself. Tell us what led you like on this crazy journey to write this book, The Love Gap. Oh and gosh. also just a brief summary, I think, of like what it's about. Yeah. Just yeah. to kind of level set for everybody, because I, I think the topic is just so timely. It's yeah, so timely. sure. So I started really conceptualizing the love ba- gap back in 2015, I think. Uh, I was, you know, in my early 20s, having the worst time dating, um, kind of was traversing these two different worlds of like post-college life. And then my best friend was much older. She was probably seven years older than me at the time. And so I was like, going between these different ages and these different types of men and, and dating and gender dynamics were just always at the forefront. Um, and I was sort of fascinated by things that didn't work out. I think it was like morbid curiosity yeah. um, because like I was probably at my lowest low dating. It was like, I, I could not find someone to date me to save my life. It seemed like um, for any length of time at all. So I, I ended up exploring this, um, this, phenomenon that I ended up calling the love gap. Um, It's the idea of, it's the idea of like, why don't people in my particular case, men date the people they claim to want? Because uh, I had all these like amazing, educated, uh, super bright, super fun, uh, great catch friends uh, that that I felt like I was too. <laughs> yeah, um, of course and, you were. And they were all the love gap, girl. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were always single, and it was something that like really ate away at me um, because there were so many studies and surveys coming out at the time about the you know the modern day dream woman is is exactly these types of girls, and I'm mm-hmm. like, why are they always alone? <laughs> right, this is just mind blowing <laughs> to me. So I had to really dive in because I, on a surface level, every guy I talked to and like my preliminary research was like, oh yeah, this is of course the person that I want to be with. Um, and then when it actually came time to date this person, they weren't doing it. So I was like, I've got to know what is going on, you know, in deep in their brains that, that make them thwart these relationships. And I ended up writing a book. I think I wanted to write a book about dating. I think that's what the intent was, but I ended up writing a book about breakups and coping with why it didn't work out um, and timing issues. And and so that was something that was crucial, I think, to our generation, because everything is always so rapidly moving and in flux. We've just, you know, with all the new technology um, and the increasing demands of the job market and, and, you know, people getting more and more education, I just found people were always moving around and there was always seemingly a timing issue um, to thwart these relationships. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you feel like you haven't had anything work out in a really long time, it's like, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. I think it's actually right. incredibly hard to sustain a relationship and, and it's becoming harder and harder, um, which was kind of the, the premise of the love gap. You know, it's so funny because from the moment you started talking and when you said, you know, he has such a hard time getting a guy to date you, my first like knee jerk reaction was like, wait, but she's so amazing and she's beautiful and, and smart. And, and that's the exact premise of your book. Yeah, right, no, so. I mean, there are so many catches out there. And what's funny and the great thing about attraction is like, you know, everybody's got a cup of tea. And if yeah. you're not someone's cup of tea, like you're somebody else's dream girl. But that's the the Billy the great part again guess about what I call the end goal woman is that like somebody mm-hmm. there there are so many different versions of that mm-hmm. um and, and yet I was seeing all these like single women like deep into their twenties and thirties and they were just like I don't know what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> I have tried right. absolutely everything um here are my relationship qualms and why it's not working out and so I ended up doing these like um, more than a hundred really in-depth interviews wow. of people about their dating lives and, and why they didn't want to pursue things, why they did, you know, why, how, why it took so long in some, in some cases. 
Um, and, and those are really fascinating to me because, you know, I think I always grew up on this idea that if, you know, two people really felt something for each other, they would kind of put themselves out there and throw themselves into it and, and make it work. Um, that was a fairy tale notion <laughs> that I was raised yeah. on. Oh, uh, yeah, even, we all were. Yeah, or even a traditional notion, you know, from my parents' generation. Right. I, I felt like they had kind of promised me things that did not turn out to be accurate. <laughs> uh, right. And I think that everything you're saying, coupled with the modern dating landscape, right, and how technology has created such an emotional limitation for so many people. And when you mm-hmm. couple that with women's advancement, with, you know, all these different sides of the same story, it's no wonder there's a gap, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's like a matter of time, someone actually sat down and tried to figure out like, this is why it's not working, because this has progressed at this pace. And this hasn't progressed as quite, quite as rapidly. And women are thinking this when really men are thinking why, and right. no one has bothered to sit down with all the information and really paint a clear picture. But I think that's what your book does so brilliantly. So I'm so excited to dive into it a little bit deeper and tell our listeners, you know, some of the really interesting things that you found, because I think, and even me as somebody who was, has very recently started a relationship in the last five months or so mm-hmm. and had been dating, you know, casually prior to that and trying to find a relationship, I identified so strongly and still do right. with so many of your points. Yeah. And I'm so excited to just like really dive in and, and paint that picture for everybody. So me too. let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So there were so many gems. I seriously nerded out so hard reading this, taking notes, like actual mm-hmm. notes. Notes. <laughs> so if it sounds like your words, they are. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great to know. Yeah, I will, I'll definitely cite you in all of this. So, um, you know, when you talk about a, a running theme, if not one of the main themes, you say for men, it's the right time for women. It's the right guy. I know that's like kind of, um, maybe you're not your exact theory, but it's like the main theme mm-hmm. of your theory. So, you know, can you explain that a little bit? Because we go into timing and is this timing BS? Is that something real? Break right. that down for us. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like part of this is just the way that men and women are raised. And, and to a certain degree, you know, women are sort of raised to be emotionally inclined and always on the lookout for, you know, a potential mate, mm-hmm. like for better or worse, <laughs> to a certain degree. Um, but but I feel like a lot of my female friends, especially when I look at them, they're like more adaptable. Um, if the right person came along or someone they felt was the right person or could be, they would like adapt to the current situation. Um, men, on the other hand, were very, the, the way that they would talk to me about their relationships was almost in a linear pattern. Mm-hmm. It was like, I have to do this one thing before I get to the next thing. Um, and usually yes. it was, I have to finish school and then I'm going to get the career. Um, and then I'm going to go once I have my life stabilized and maybe I'm financially secured, then I'm going to go after the person that I ultimately want to date. Um, and it was a very, and as you see, culture has become increasingly competitive in these job fields. Um, I think that people, especially men, are, are focusing a lot more effort to also keep up with the women that they want to one day date um, that are also kind of their competition to some degree. Wow. So you see a lot of self-development. And I think women do mature faster. We've been taught that we have to work harder um, mm-hmm. to, to get ahead. And, and so a lot of us are very focused. But, but men kind of they are a little bit delayed in their in their growth process, I think. They don't have the biological clock ticking, um, thinking I need to find a mate. And and it is a longer time for them to mature to the point of commitment. Um, And and a lot of them would talk to that about me with a talk to that, talk about that with me um, with a lot of vulnerability, because I I think that they wanted to have those relationships that, that, you know, they put on a pedestal and were so idealized with these incredible women, whatever it was in their mind, that was the end goal woman, someone super smart and and who's going to push them to be better, but they didn't feel like they had earned it yet to some degree or, or that they could keep that person around. Um, A lot of them had some variation of that. um, But, but a lot of it has to do with these inherent gender roles. Um, Mm. There's such pressure on men, especially to, to be financially stable and have a great career. Um, that's still the number one pressure that we put on men. If you look at research, um, they've tracked that. I think it's a Pew research, research study that says that wow. um, pretty clearly. And, and women, it's more about, of course, physical looks 
um, that that's still the right. number one societal pressure for women. Um, but, but men feel that, and it's really expressed in their relationships, uh, I think pretty clearly. It's interesting because you, you dive into this in the book when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting if the, the parallel that you draw to that, because it's such a primal thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I love and that. I thought it was great. So I would love for you to kind of talk through that piece a little bit and maybe explain where it diverges for men and women. Yes. So for, for me, I just saw that the hierarchy, the, the way the, the best way that I could describe it is Helen Fisher has this idea of uh, linear thinking versus web thinking. And women are very, um, they're very adaptable and, and they tend to be able to do things in a more intuitive manner. They tend to be able to multitask better. Um, and that's the way they operate through life. So is, is there like kicking ass, you know, doing everything at once? Men are still on that first primary, like um, safety need, like securing safety and security, like getting the job or like having that like level of support. They have like different kinds of relationships even that, that I saw. A lot of men were content to have any relationship or just companionship. Well, they were still getting their lives together, but there were certain people that they would not date. And those were the people that it took a certain amount of esteem to have in their mind um, because maybe she was ahead of them in career or maybe she did have, you know, higher expectations or standards or some perception of that. Um, so, So it was very interesting to see how, you know, navigating that hierarchy looked for men and women. And I think women are more adaptable when the right thing comes along and men are step-by-step thinkers. Um, And in order to have these relationships Mm -hmm. that I I often, everybody would tell me they wanted this relationship that would push them to be better, which is much like the self-actualization need. Like I Mm -hmm. want to be my best self. Um, But to get there, to have a relationship that actually helps you become better, you have to have that esteem of I know who I am and I'm very secure in that. Um, and you have to put all the other pieces into place for, for the hierarchy. Um, so, so my, my theory is that women and men just navigate that so differently and, and you see that expressed in their relationships. Yeah. Wow. That's like, I feel like it's right. Like <laughs> right there. Like, it's like, I want every woman who's listening right now to be like, you know what? I am just so high <laughs> up on the hierarchy of needs, but that's why right. I am the last step. I yeah. Need, very you know, top. And you know what? That's yes. something that, yes. is, you know, just to plug your book right here, it's something that you find yourself just stopping and staring and you, it really has an impact when you see it on paper and you're like, oh my God, this makes sense. Like you, it really resonates with you and you see it from that primal side. And it, I don't know, I thought that was so interesting to, to tie into your whole, whole theory. Yeah. yeah. I was so worried about these amazing women yeah. getting a complex <laughs> that, right. that something no. was wrong with them, <laughs> like inherently <laughs> fatally flawed, that they just could not have appropriate relationships. No. And I'm like, but, but, but what if you're just no. so good <laughs> right? <laughs> that it's going to take a long time? And it's time. funny because that's what your yeah. girlfriends say. And that's what literally everyone's friend, like your clan, your group, your clique, like everybody's like, you're just yeah. too good for him. But, right. You're too good. And it's like, to an extent, you don't but what buy if that science anymore. Says, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's the most important yes, thing. And exactly. that's exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. what I started thinking when I was Ugh. reading and I was like, well, so wait, so we're, we're supposed to be great, but then we can't be too great. But it's not really about that. And to go back to your timing aspect of it, you were saying, that women sort of inherently, like when we talk about our lives, what our interests and our goals, we're thinking in the future. And guys are too, but they don't really, like you said something like you're just your presence. Like if you're an end goal woman and you're successful, like your presence around a man is just a glaring reminder of like where he is or isn't in his life. Oh yeah. It's a ton of pressure. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> how do women really handle that? Like what's the method? I think the method, and, and this is kind of how I, I did a coaching session uh, last week, and someone kind of asked me that in particular. And for me, it was like a method of recognizing where these different men were in their lives mm-hmm. um, and realizing that I didn't have to force anything. Um, yes. so, so for me, that's kind of how I ended up in a long-term relationship after the love gap to plug Ooh. my uh, my own book. But it was like yes. one of yes, those weird girl. things where I realized like these men will tell me who they are. I just need to recognize it. And it's not up to me to like change their mind about wanting to date or, or you know, right. do anything in particular. Yes. Like I can adapt 
to the situation and engage with them on a way that feels comfortable for both of us. And maybe it progresses slower. Maybe it progresses faster with different types of guys. But, you know, we, we always get a binary where people will tell you, cut him off completely or yes. like date him right now. And it mm-hmm. sometimes isn't always mm-hmm. like that. Sometimes it has to progress at its own pace and timing is so important. Um, and the more open you are to how timing can manifest in relationships, the more opportunities you'll have. Um, and so for me, that was something that I didn't want to put anybody into. I didn't want to force somebody to be something for me that they weren't ready to be. I love um, that. And I think that that was crucial. And that is so unbelievably interesting. Like that whole concept, right? Because I am totally guilty of being camp. Like, fuck him. <laughs> you know, if he doesn't want to give you what you need, like move the fuck on. And I know after reading your book, I was like, you know what? Like, God damn. You know, I don't know that that's always the best approach. Now, that being said, I do think the idea of boundaries is still really right. important, right? And kind of making sure that you're not giving more right. than you feel you are comfortable giving. Like, no, at no point should you sacrifice right. yourself or your needs or your happiness to try and accommodate someone. And it kind of yeah. needs to have that balance. So I'd kind of love to hear your your take on how do you like, is yeah. there a way to think yeah. through that to make sure that you are in something that is yeah. healthy for both of you, even if it's not My exactly big thing what you is want. if it's taking up so much mental and emotional space that you can't date other people and give them open opportunities, then you might just need to draw a hard line. Mm. Um, and that's not for everybody. Mm. Um, if you can keep an open mind and they're not taking up too much mental space, then I think that that will increase your opportunities. But if you can't, you're better off cutting it off and, and just getting out of there. Um, I think that that's something that it's, it's so hard because sometimes we can deceive ourselves, right? We're like, Oh, I'm cool with like, whatever this is, but, but really you're like madly in love. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to do that and be really honest with yourself. Um, I I think that that's important. And I'm a big fan too of mirroring, which is basically like, you give whatever, whatever they do, you kind of mirror them on the flip side. If they text you first once and you text them first the next time, I if they ask you out that. one time, then you ask them out another time. Like yes. this oh is, you're meeting them halfway. So you're showing yes. the appropriate amount of interest, but it's not more interest than, than 50%, right? You, you're bringing your 50% to the table and you're expecting them to meet you halfway as well. It's like so, tennis. Yeah, yes. of course. It's like a great volley. Right. <laughs> and, and if you can get that yes. pace and cadence, no matter what, you know, how long it takes to come together and fall apart, if you're building something that feels mutually agreeable at your own pace, then, you know, who's to say, you know? I, and I love that because it shoots every dumb theory in the foot where it's like, use oh, a yeah. formula that girls come up with, like, for every six times <laughs> he texts me, I'm going to text hours. Once. Like, yeah. I just like... Okay, so <laughs> this is yes. probably my favorite part of the book because it was just, like, I was just like, yes, yes, at every corner. Yes, wait, yes. <laughs> Everything yeah. you said was just... I was just like, oh my God, I want to plaster this all over every one of my single friends' rooms. <laughs> so... Right, and it's it's just a reminder that, like, it doesn't need to be right. that hard. Yeah. And it's... I think that's something we lose sight of, you know, when you're dating, when you're talking to people and you're trying to figure things out. It's like, it is not that hard. It, if it's the right thing and the right situation for you, no matter what that looks like, because right. no two will look the same. It should right. not. I mean, be if a, a single text or an ask out is going to bring down your whole relationship, then I don't think it was going very far exactly. anyway. <laughs> so don't overthink it. Right. And the part that I love so much about it was when, when you were saying you know, you have to trust your intuition to an extent. You have to know the difference between fear and intuition. And Mm -hmm. we have talked (sighs) about this. Um, And I think that a lot of girls get hung up on the games and the fear of getting hurt. And it's all tied in. And I think that I'm pretty sure I wrote this down as a quote from you. You have to actively stop yourself from self-sabotaging. And you do Mm -hmm. that once you realize and you trust yourself to know that this guy is, as you call, a real deal. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, if Mm -hmm. you are still playing those games because you're not, you're still self-sabotaging and you're feeling insecure and you're, you can't just like let your guard down, you're not going to meet him halfway. And he's just going to be like, you know what? He knows he's the real deal. He knows he's ready. He's going to think you're not interested and he's going to think you play games. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I know it's, Here's a, I don't okay in my defense I do not play games however 
And I do think that this is probably something a lot of girls can relate to when you have dated for a few years and you have had terrible experiences and have been let down and disappointed at every corner. And then you find a real deal. Right. And the idea of this whole fear versus intuition thing is so unbelievably real. And it's something that I don't know. I haven't figured it out entirely yet. You know, how do you kind of navigate and talk yourself out of or into one or the other? Like, how do you really know if a situation that you're in or something that you're experiencing is, is something that your gut is telling you, or it's that self-sabotage kind of triggering you again. I mean, and you had something in your book where you talk about, you know, um, words, actions, Mm -hmm. and patterns. So I'd love for you to, to dive into that because I think that when, when I heard that, that was a key thing that helped me kind of oscillate between intuition and fear and still does to this day of this podcast. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. For me, it's very important because I think a lot of people want to believe certain things when, when they're in, in relationships and to a certain extent, we don't know what to believe. So for me, uh, words mean nothing, actions mean something, but patterns mean everything. Um, and that's pr- pretty crucial. Um, because when somebody has left for you a pattern of being very open and honest in meeting you halfway, then those are things you can trust. Um, and those are actions built over up over time. So every time somebody meets you, you know, where you're at and maybe walks you through something that's difficult or, you know, you don't text back for, you know, five, six hours because something blew up and they're, they're not going to run away. Like they're, they're always responding positively. And this is something that I tell single friends all the time is like, if someone's truly interested in you, they might not give you the response you want all the time, but they will always respond positively in some way. Even if it's just like you ask them out and they can't make it that day, but they're going to set something up as soon as they can or say like, how about this other day? Or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's meeting you with, with positivity almost all the time. Um, you're, you, when, when you value someone and, and you value that relationship that you're building, especially if it's that person that I call a real deal, that they're just not going to blow it up over small things. But, but I think we constantly have to like fight against that instinct that's saying, you know, I, it, once you get to a certain point where you realize that person could potentially be something special to you, I think that there's an internal panic button. Yeah. <laughs> oh my like, God. Literally, like, it's, are you, it's like you're talking to me. It's like you have yeah, it's like it's you just know like, everything about my life. Yeah, it's just the panic button. And the panic button like unleashes, I just feel like this weird inner chemical that makes you overanalyze everything that that person's ever done. Um, yes. and, and you start nitpicking because you're like, I will find his flaw, damn it. It's there. Yeah. And, yes. and you're going to yes. blow it up and over that, yes. whatever it is. One thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the worst thing, too, is that you end up penalizing the person for experiences from your past, oh, yeah. too. Right, like, sure. you start to almost draw parallels like, oh, he has hair. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. hair? That guy, he cheated on Yeah. They must be cheaters. So it's like, it's, it's, it's terrifying and it's so, so scary. But it's so interesting that this is a phenomenon that you've called out because it made me just sit there like a dog between my legs. I'm like holy shit Nadine get your life together yeah it's scary it's it's those same emotions that you had with somebody that hurt you before Um, and those brush all the way back yes and they can they can feel like it's transference you know they can feel like it's happening from that person because of that one action that they did right it it might mean something in the whole scheme of things and you can pick that out and analyze it later but like the patterns are what's most important Um, everyone's gonna have a bad day everyone's gonna like you know say something that's going to make you question things, you know, but, but do they have a pattern of coming to you with respect and honesty and decency? That, that's the most important thing. I feel like you could have stopped the book just at that sentence. Like that sums up <laughs> I know. so much. I feel like we're done. Yeah. No, we're Honestly, done. like, I don't even know where we go. Where do we go? Here. Yeah. I, so, you know, just branching off of that, I think that something that we see at least with our friends and we hear from, from listeners, there's almost this like dating app burnout and dating mm-hmm. burnout and the sense of dread and, oh my gosh, like it's just going to be the same thing all over again. Or, you know, I guess it is a fear, guys and girls, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to invest so much in this. And what if it doesn't work out? What do you think the remedy is? Like, how do you think someone can start fresh? You know, it's really, it's really tough because it's, you have these micro experiences that become big patterns in your life. Um, And people are always coming and going and leaving. And I think that that's the most, 
that's the most challenging thing to get over is, is all these micro experiences Mm -hmm. that you've had that feel just like a laundry list of things never working out. Um, But, but I think that is the challenge of dating is that how can you approach each new person and, you know, remember that they haven't wronged you before. This is a a clean slate. Um, And it, it is tough. And part of my, I think part of my, best advice and in the most soul healing advice is that to take breaks when you need it to reflect Mm -hmm. and just kind of, you know, look at your own patterns and, you know, wherever you're hurting or the things that you feel like you can't tackle, whether that's, you know, going out on another date with a stranger, like how can you, you know, if maybe you need to take a week or a month off, or maybe you need to take two or three months off. Like I've taken nine months to a year off. I've done all of those things. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, this is, this is not about other people. Yeah. It's right. right a book. Do whatever you want. Right. You know, right. Like spare time. But I, I think it's important to be able to look at what's, what's, you know, really bothering you and what it's like, really about. W- what is the hurt about that like, feels like you can't do this? Like maybe, maybe you look at your patterns and you're like, I, I don't think I can date a stranger right now. And maybe you have yeah. to be more focused and present in, in those situations where you'll meet through friends of friends, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, ask your friends, is there anyone that, you know, I think we're so, we're so afraid to ask other people, like, can you set me up? Like, we don't want to look desperate or something. I would love to you set know. somebody up. I, it's like my life's mission is <laughs> to have too. one set up that yeah. works out. And, and I can say, like, I was responsible for oh that person's happiness. Yes. <laughs> yes. I want to say that more than anything. And it's doubly frustrating because my boyfriend does have one of those stories oh my God. where he set two people up and they got married. And he and probably did it so, so haphazardly. Like, like, whatever. You know, I, yeah. He was like, oh. People, He's like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you, you're you talking about this kind of girl. Like, I know somebody. Oh, oh my I'll God. You, and then that's it. So lucky. No, I would love to do that. But I, I think, like, don't be afraid to tap that friend circle or, like, you know, ask your friends. I mean, I always had local mixers going on when I was single, and I would just, like, make my friends go with me. I'd be like, we can, we can go out there, and we can maybe meet new friends, or we can maybe meet dating prospects, but... You know, I just need you to accompany me to this event. Like, get your wing women. Get get people out there in real life because it really does work. And I do see this somewhat of a step back from online dating because of the fatigue. Um, And I think people are going to be more open than ever to meeting in real life. But you have to create those opportunities for yourself and and, and get people, your friends, they love you. They'll go with you. (laughs) Get them to your social event. Um, And And don't get off the apps for a while. I think that's the cure to a lot of people are like, I feel like I'm just like dumpster diving, sifting through trash, trying to separate the bad from the good. And I think you have to recognize the patterns of the people that you're interested in and shake up where you're looking for people. If you're finding garbage on apps, get off the apps for a little bit. Go out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I compare it literally to shopping at like TJ Maxx (laughs) or Marshall's where you have to like dig for hours and fight all kinds of horrible people to maybe find a good deal on something. So maybe stop shopping. Yeah, exactly. It, I'm, I'm totally with it. I, I, I always encourage people to diversify how they meet. Um, it, it's just really important that you don't focus all of your energy on apps. Even if you get like 75% of your dates on apps, make sure that you are like adequately pursuing those other pathways because I think the in-person connections are, are really important. We talk a lot about how you can filter with online dating, but there, there's just something about meeting in real life that, mm-hmm. that it's, it's cementing a sense of context in, in into that relationship. It has a beginning, you know, that this beginning that looks different than everything else. It, it's a way to differentiate how you're dating. And I think psychologically, there's something to that. So I, I'm a big proponent of meeting in real life and keep pursuing those avenues. Like it, it's not dead. People are still doing it. I totally agree. Amen. You know, Amen. I also thought it was interesting, whether it's on an app or in real life, I loved how, how you said the best thing you could do is pretty much have that, um, you know, what, Nadine, what do you call it? Like the rotation. Yeah. Oh, the rotation? <laughs> well. <laughs> that too. I mean. Like don't put all of your each, efforts in one own, guy. There's know? so many times where I talk to oh, yeah. friends and I'm like, how's, how's it going? You know, what's going on in the apps or in your dating life? And they're just like, oh, yeah, so I've, I've been talking to this guy for the past three days. And I'm like, so, and they pretty much like halt their efforts. I'm like, that's not how you do it. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of girls that don't know how, like, 
it was always my thing, you know, when I was casually dating and not really looking for anything crazy serious that I would like to be at least texting a couple of people Mm -hmm. at once just because it allowed me not to feel rejected if I didn't hear from one in a certain window of time because I would hear from someone else. So I wasn't even really paying attention. Like it almost allows you to divert your energy, right? And your mental energy, your emotional energy. But there are a lot of women out there and, you know, one of my best friends is like this, you know, she can't physically cannot date more than one person. And I would love to, like, I don't know, Jenna, what do you think? Do you think that that's something we condition ourselves to say we can't do, or is it just something that is outside of our comfort zone and we should yeah, try it? I, I what think, do you think for me, it's that? like that, that sense of boundaries, you know, and, and I think it, it's important. You don't necessarily have to be dating them all, but I definitely know that I had prospects, you know, even those almost boyfriends yes. that would hang around and they, they were serving a need. I just wasn't investing that much time in them. Right. <laughs> like, and I think right. that it's starting to look at these different relationships in your life as having potential um, and fulfilling a certain need and, and just not forcing it to be anything that it's not. And, and having that even male companionship of this guy that takes you out to dinner every once in a while, or maybe this guy that you meet really casually for drinks, like every few weeks, because, you know, he's still traveling or whatever it is. I've had all of those different relationships and, and you get to set your own boundaries as to what they are. You don't have to even necessarily be physical with all of them. Like it just, it, it's, it's right. It can have like a frisson of tension and it doesn't have to go beyond that. Um, so, so I am, a, I'm just, I would say definitely be open to more than one person at a time, but you don't have to necessarily be actively dating them all. Um, but, but it's good to be okay. thinking about different people and the roles that they could potentially play. And you just never know, like if the traction is there, it could, it could spark at any time. Absolutely. Um, but, but, but don't be afraid to try yeah. it. You know, I think a lot of people are, are scared and think that they have to do like one person at, at a time and, or maybe they, they think they've tried dating multiple people and they just get confused. I think <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I, yeah. I've been there before. Our I, friend I'm did like, say I that. I can't do it. I just get confused as to like yeah. who I feel, you know, what I feel for whom and all this other stuff. I get that. Um, but, but it could be different in different phases of your life. So if you haven't done it in a while, try flipping the script on, on what you've been doing um, and give it a shot. Well, you know what I hear a lot too from girls about this? I hear if I'm doing it, he's probably doing it too. And then it sort of becomes this bad thing. So how do we fix that? I I think it's, for me, that's a really huge, that's a, uh, it's it's tough because that's a huge communication thing that I found. I regularly ask this question. Sometimes I'll just even pull on my Instagram. Um, Like how many people believe like how many people date one person at a time and how many people date multiple people until somebody asks to be exclusive. And it's always split like almost 50, 50. So so what, what that's Mm. showing me and a lot of people said like, yeah, I never communicate about it. And that's, that's where you fall into this trap where it almost feels bad is that you feel like, Oh my God, what if they're not doing the same thing? Or what if they are doing the same thing? And, And then you start to overthink the interactions you know, I think you have to be really mm. upfront if you sense their emotional investment is too fast for you and you're still dating other people and that's what you feel comfortable with. You have to kind of articulate that and vice versa. If you if you want to be exclusive, I don't believe that there's really a timeline on that. I think you should do it when it feels emotionally like the right thing to do. You've been on enough dates, you know this person well enough that you'd want to be exclusive and then you bring up what, what that means to you and I think people have to be clearer um, and, and having more communication about it is going to make it less negative. You know, we, we have to be able to articulate yeah. what we want in, in any given time. You know, it's like a running yeah. pattern here too. Yeah. Again, I'm going to quote you. So don't feel weird <laughs> when you say like life is a cruel teacher, you get the test first and then the lesson and love is no different. Ugh. And it's like, everyone wants to like apply the lessons they've learned throughout every other dating situation to like calculate the risk of what they're dealing with currently. And you can't do that. Sometimes you have to just dive in and then assess what happened after. Yeah. I mean, the best thing you can do is assess for like their qualities of character and and that they have a pattern of respect and honesty with you. That's like the only thing you can assess. And after that, it's, it's going to work or it's not, but you, you want to believe that you're with somebody that's, that's going to be open with you throughout the process. Totally. Um, and that's all you can do you can only vet that to the best of your ability and after that you just have to leap leap off the edge and if a guy finds out that you were talking to two other guys or you're 
open about that, then you, you learn from there. Like if he's yeah. not okay with that, then okay. You learn the lesson from there. Does this guy want to be exclusive? It, what it changes, no matter what, something's going to change in a good or bad way and kind yeah. of give you your answer. Yeah. And yeah. And I think women so many times feel, and maybe men too, but I, th- I feel like they think that if a guy is seeing other women, that somehow they're not enough. Like we tend right. to always put the blame back on us. Like even if we are an end goal woman, right? Like this altogether woman who has her shit together, whatever, we still think that for some reason we're not satisfying enough, whether it's emotionally or physically or whatever. Mm-hmm. And somehow it feels like a rejection, even if we haven't necessarily decided that we want exclusivity with this person. Yes. We're just upset that they didn't exactly. want it. So you know, it almost feels like it's something internal that we have to kind of work through and just almost expand the way we look at things a little right. differently and not be held to these memes right. that we see floating around everywhere. We're like, you know what, sis, like dump him if he's, I don't know, whatever. But um, it's, it was just interesting because I think your book like really kind of talks about these things. Like even there was one part in the beginning that I struggled with a little bit in your book, Jenna, where it was like this idea of the back burner, mm-hmm. right? And I think for so long, at least in my life, and I, I'm sure in many other people's life, you're like, you don't want to be a back person, <laughs> right? Like, you don't want to be that girl. It's, the ego. it's like, no, it, yeah, it's such an ego thing. And you're like, if a guy doesn't put me on the front burner, then he doesn't. Yeah. Either. Whatever. You know, all those things that we say to ourselves. But the more I read it and the more I thought about it, I was like, this is a very valid and interesting way to look at it. And I would love for you to kind of talk through that concept yeah, a little bit. So I think that you know, timing was that crucial incident where a lot of people, they they would, if they felt something really real, especially men, if they felt something really real with somebody, they had to approach it in this like very slow and careful manner. So they would just slide that woman to the back burner. You know, it took a longer time to cook. It was a slower process. You know, this is, it's just really fascinating to me because I had a couple of men in particular that like met their future like partners their future long-term partners in college, but both of them like broke up with the person or wouldn't pursue them at that time. They were like friends and they like mutually got together (laughs) and decided they were going to approach this person like five years down the road. And they ended up both getting together with their college maybes. Right. But it was like this bizarre experience where they're like, yeah, I knew the whole time that it was something special, but I also knew I wasn't in a position to pursue it. So in their minds, they had just kind of slid them to the back burner, but they never forgot about them. They, they dated, they had real relationships with other women, but they had these special connections that just took a longer time for them to get around to actually feeling like they were capable of dating because they knew it was going to be serious for them. Yeah. Um, and, and if they felt like it was going to evolve in that place, sometimes they just slide it to the back burner. Um, and I think it's a concept that gets, yeah, like you said, I think it gets so much negative press about like oh my god he's just putting you on the back burner because you're not important it's like well there's another way to look at it right um and it's gonna look Mm -hmm. like distancing and it's gonna look kind of weird but at the same time like I said you have to approach those relationships in ways that make are comfortable for you If, if, if that's no contact until they can get their shit together okay um and if that's you know approaching them every now and then or you know having a lighter casual relationship and, and keeping the door open for some people, it looks like that. Um, but, but you have to, again, just kind of like intuitively sense, like this is how much effort I'm willing to put into this because it's, it's a maybe it's not necessarily a yes for sure, but for me, it's a maybe. Um, and just know that sometimes that's how men look at you. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think I actually put my husband Mike yeah. on the back burner now that you explained it like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think women do it too. I I think it's a phenomenon that that sometimes like maybe we're too afraid of that thing or or we're just not ready for it. Um, Some like connections hit you harder and faster or you you can just feel something different or you're wary about it. You don't know what it is yet. And and you're, it's, it makes you feel uncomfortable or vulnerable. I, I think that when we talk more about these like very subconscious forces in play, um, and, and that's kind of what the back burner looks like to me. It's like, how can I really want this thing, but also push it away? It's like, well, we do that all the time. We, we do that constantly. Right. Oh, it's, it's literally what people do when they're self-sabotaging. Yeah. It's like you, it's almost like the concept of, of mice and men, right? Like mm-hmm. Lenny's like squeezing the mouse, like eyes <laughs> with a bunny or whatever it is. I feel like people do that in their relationships out of fear Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're you're squeezing it to death but like not necessarily in a smothering or distancing kind of way you're 
back or you're pushing and then you smother it. And it almost takes a very high level of self-awareness to know that you're not in a place where this relationship you can have with this person who you quote unquote put on the back burner, you, you know, it's not going to work right now because of who you are right now, where you are at and what your priorities are. So in a way, it's almost like the relationship he or she sees with you is so valuable that they just don't want to fuck it up and they want to be in a place to make it better and make it work. And they're okay risking that they may lose you in the meantime but they know for sure that it's they're more likely to fuck yeah. it up if they try and, and i think right that now. men are really really afraid of inflicting that kind of damage like i i think that they that the more they like love and respect someone the, the more they're terrified of hurting that person which is why you see a lot of freakouts and in breakdowns as you get closer to to those serious relationships you see it all the time and, and that's like the the male version of self-sabotage and sometimes women do it but Men in particular find it really challenging to articulate what, what those emotions are. So I, we could talk to you for five days straight, but (laughs) this kind of leads me into, I guess, time-wise, we only have time for like one more question. And I think this is a good one to branch into. Um, Based on what you just said, you've mentioned that girls, typically girls, guy problems will fall under one of two categories, distancing or disappearing. And it's so mm-hmm. real. And if they're like emotionally locking you out or just mm-hmm. they ghost you, um, you know, without ever bringing you into, into like what they're thinking, how do you, how should women handle this? What do you think, how can we assess whether this is something that we should kind of give up on or some, like, how do we know if we should, if we're on the back burner or if we're just being ghosted? Yeah, I, I mean, it's really tricky, because sometimes I've seen crazy stuff happen. I, I know someone who married the person who ghosted her. Like, oh, my God. Before. Like, it was just this bizarre experience. And they oh, have, like, God. children now. So it's like a whole, it, it's a whole, I, I've heard every version of bad story to also end pretty well, you know what I mean? So, so it's really hard to say there's like, a very specific way to go about it but but again I think it's tapping into your intuition about Mm. whether or not this person you know is number one worthwhile and number two somebody that you can trust that that they're actually going to I guess come through or treat you in an honest and respectful and fair manner uh, about the relationship and and I think that women also I mean distancing is so common in this day and age that I think Mm. women also panic during the distancing like the first thing we want to do is close the gap um, yes. like if somebody is falling away from us or mm-hmm. somebody is disappearing, like that, you, you want to figure out what's happening, like as soon as possible. It's because the worst. It, it, you hate that feeling of unknown. Like we all do. It, it, it's awful. And I see that a ton now. I think that, I don't know if you guys know about attachment theory, but yes. it's, it's a great, yeah. Oh yeah. I think that there's more oh, attachment yeah. issues than ever. There's more, you know, ways to be avoidant and more yes. ways to be anxious over things than ever before. Um, we're living in a new era now, but but for me, I see that a lot and and that distancing there, there's so much anxiety around it. Um, but, but ultimately like you can only be in a relationship with a willing partner. So (laughs) you, you, you've got to just like sit back and I I think that there's this John Gray, there's this John Gray quote. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is like try to run at it. Right. Um, there's this John Gray quote about men and women. And he says like men are like rubber bands, like they pull away and they come back. It's very common. I see that a lot too. And I think you have to see if somebody comes back. Sometimes people self-regulate in that way, um, with their relationships. So they have to get a little distance, but you know, you have to also be very clear about what's okay for you, especially if you're an anxious attacher or like that's, you know, you've got to find somebody that's going to meet you halfway so that you're not feeling mm-hmm. constant anxiety and you're not obsessed with the relationship. You want to be in a relationship where you don't, I, I mean, that's my favorite part, talking to Amir Levine, who wrote that book. He's like, you should not be obsessed with your relationships. <laughs> like if you are obsessed about it, then it's yes. not healthy. Like you want to be in a relationship where you know that if you walk right. away from it, it will be there when you come back. So that's the goal that you're ultimately trying to get through. And that's like the trouble of dating is that you're trying to get to that place with the partner where it's stable enough that you can leave it and come yeah. back to it. But, but you have to go through all that distancing and disappearing. Um, wow. But, but you have to eventually, if somebody's like doing things to you that, that, that don't feel right, or they're distancing, they're disappearing, you have to eventually call them out on it. Or you have to like lay a boundary and be like, this is, this is where I'm at. I need this much from you. If you can't give me that, then like, 
you know, lay your boundaries. This is what you need. You yes. have to start like looking out for yourself and your heart. Um, I, I think that that's more important than ever. But again, you can only be in a relationship with a willing partner. So you can only stand in there to the extent that y- you feel like you can handle it. Don't let the rest of your life suffer because somebody else can't figure it out. Y- you know, you kind of have to encourage them the best you can to get the help they need to be in a healthy relationship and, and you know, meet you halfway there. But if they can't, they can't. And you've got a lot of life to maintain. There's too many EG women who have right. way, way too much shit on their plate as it is. Um, so, yeah. so you've, you've yes. got to, you've got to take care of you. It's the most important thing. You're good. <laughs> Amen. Oh, right. I don't Where know. were you 10 years ago? <laughs> too, too young to write a book. That was for sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So <laughs> I think this is the perfect time to talk about the really perfect millennial dating term for this week. Are you guys ready? Ready. Okay. It's called, <laughs> it's called curving. curving. Have you heard of curving? I, I have not, but okay. I am so very curving, eager to know. Curving really throws you for a loop. No pun intended. Well, all pun, puns intended here um, because there's so much uncertainty. So say you send them a message on a Monday and like a couple days pass and you're pretty much assume like you're being ghosted or like, are they distancing? Are they just completely avoiding you? Um, and then suddenly the, the person responds like Friday. So basically curving is when, you know, responses are sporadic. They're kind of closed off. They're not really asking you questions back. They're peppered with like weak or predictable or cliche apologies. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been so swamped at work. Um, and this person, you're typically a guy, sorry, but they're never going to commit to you. We think you can please uh, call us out if we're wrong there. Yeah, no, I um, would say that that's a no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's very unlikely. Just like rip off the bandaid, nip this mm-hmm. in the bud. Don't waste your time. I don't think this person is. This is like a right. not ready, not the real deal kind of guy. Right, right. Yeah, that's awful. Oh hell no, I, no. no. Only curves you should be focusing <laughs> yeah. on. Behind girl. I agree. That's a, that's a no go. Yeah. Um, that, that's disrespectful of everyone's time. So right. I, I, and I like feel it. like it's so common and I can't stand, I feel like it's a little condescending. Like, oh, I'm just so much busier than you. I couldn't answer this peasant message that you had so much time to send me. Everybody has 15 seconds to answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Not an excuse Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. So that's curving for you. And now you know. Uh. Um, so at this point in our podcast, we like to talk about what we call a breakup breakdown. So we're hoping that you'll volunteer a breakup of your own, or maybe someone that you've worked with. Keep it totally anonymous if you want. Um, We'll never know if it's yours or someone else's. Um, And tell us like a breakup that was either wild or something that you really learned from. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I mean, obviously I've been through a million breakups of of my own. It feels like at at this point. Um, But I don't know. I feel like I, I had a lot of great, so I broke up with my now like partner who I now live with. Wow. Um, so I broke up with him in the middle. It was very much like a, a love gap timing issue. Um, and he was living across the country and I dated a couple people during that time. Like I was definitely open to dating other people. He moved back here and eventually decided to move across the country. It's a whole other story, but wow. I, I feel like my, my breakdowns always happened. Like when I, I could see like a potential maybe with somebody and I just realized maybe I used to like melt down over breakups. I I don't know if it was because like, I, if it was like a whole, if it was like a whole change in, if it was a whole change in, um, I think it took me a long time to open up with somebody. So once I'd like passed that point where I saw it as a breakup, like it was just really hard for me to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was that kind of person, but, mm-hmm. um, and is this supposed to be like a negative story or a positive story? Like a breakup? Either. This is great. Okay. No, either Bra- one. Okay. Either okay. One. Oh, we're just, just breaking, breaking it down. down. Okay. So I, I just feel like I, I learned that it does get easier and I never thought it would get easier over time. I eventually was able to break up with my boyfriend and and let that go live in its own little world, knowing that he hadn't wronged me in any way. It just wasn't working at that time. Um, And and then date other people. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, I feel like I I grew in myself in just knowing what was worth my time because I was able to rip the bandaid off two relationships within that period of time, like quickly um, and let them go. And they weren't treating me and they weren't Mm -hmm. serving me like 
in other situations where I would think like, oh, I can maybe like make it work out mm-hmm. or like I'll, I'll dwell on it and see how, <laughs> how it works right. down the road. <laughs> I realized that the, the more you value your time and, and the more you've experienced real connection, so go out there and try it. Um, the, the more, the less likely you are to, you know, put up with bullshit. And I think that that's the most important thing that like time gives you and dating a lot of people gives you. So there is like a pro, I think a positive part to this dating culture is that you learn how to move on quicker and you learn how to value your time differently. Um, so that is my breakup breakdown. That's amazing. <laughs> I oh love my God. it. That's so relatable. Yeah. Too. It, it gets easier with every, with everyone. It. So yeah, so it's basically yeah. If it's not, if it's not serving you, or, or they're not I doing like, be be kind to people. Like, meet them where they're at. But it, if they're giving you a bunch of bullshit and and their excuses are not believable, or you know they're so slammed at work, you know they didn't mean to ghost you. Whatever it is, no, that's not worth your time. Totally. <laughs> just just there's there are many more. Like Amen. That. Just just keep dating, and it will get easier. Yes. Oh, that is just, that is like yep. the best advice. I love that it. is so valuable. It's so simple, but it's so easy to forget. Yeah. Yeah. It is very, yeah. It, it's almost like the, like going back to basics a little bit, which I think sometimes you just got to remind people that yeah. they're stronger than they think they are. And that's kind yeah, of a really you great reminder are. of that. Um, and, and it's, it, you never know how things will pan out in the future. So also be forgiving. That's I an important that. piece too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I my gosh. Can that you just really write like 10 more books? Ugh. Is that on deck? That would be Jenna. so fun. I would love that. Yeah, right? Yeah. What other topical areas? Oh my God. Can you yeah, into? I don't know. Anything like, related to I don't even to know. Like, <laughs> how to like cut your own bangs or. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Oh, well, Jenna, thank you. I, I can't even tell you how unbelievably like excited we were to have you on. And I think this is going to be probably so one of the best awesome. episodes we've ever had. Um, and I'm so excited to hear what everybody thinks about it, but thank you so, so, so much for being here and like doing your book and for, yes, for having all the shitty experiences that inspired (laughs) you to write this book. I am so grateful to every single one. The book is called The Love Gap. Get it right now. Just when you get, don't Mm -hmm. even like exit this podcast. You can still listen and head to Amazon and order this book. You will not regret it and share it with your friends. I honestly am obsessed. It was such a quick yep. read. Um, Jenna, tell everyone where they can find you if you want them to find you. Oh, yeah, of course. No, always. <laughs> I love to hear dating stories. Reach out at any time. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Jenna Birch. It's very cool. easy. Yep. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. All right, Jenna, seriously, again, thank you times a million. Um, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys have any questions, you want to slide into Jenna's DMs, please feel free to do that. But don't you dare yeah. do that before you buy the book, okay? Buy the book, read it, talk about it, make it the sisterhood of the traveling book. It's gonna be, it's gonna be real. Um, but again, thank you guys so much. As always, feel free to rate and review us if you like the podcast so far on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're getting us from. Or feel free to contact us on Twitter and Instagram at HeartSprained. So until next time, my friends. Right. Don't know how we're going to top this one, but, uh, but we're excited for it. So thank you guys so much. And we will Bye. see you next week. Bye. <laughs>